I still can't. It's just, it's, I don't. Oh, okay. All right. I'm hanging up on her and you, and then you can call her and then me. Okay. But I still, I can't, I literally don't know. Welcome back to Direct the Podcast. This is episode number 34. I'm Kurt Schneider. And I'm Keenan Wetzel. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, Larka Hirtoni. This is probably one of the more free-flowing episodes you've ever had. The conversation kind of went off on some tangents and we let it go there. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was certainly really free-flowing and natural. And I think we touched on some deeper subjects maybe than we have in the past. Um, Yeah, I think it was a great conversation. For today's show and for all episodes going forward, we will have show notes. This is something we've wanted to do for a while, but just haven't really gotten around to it. But yeah, we're really excited about it. I think it will be really helpful being able to just click on the links to the movies, directors, books, whatever that are mentioned. It should make it a lot easier for you guys to find the things that are mentioned in the episode. So hopefully you enjoy that and without further ado, here's the show. We were noting it's kind of interesting. It seems like so many Swedish directors all have like multiple features under their belt. What do you think the reason is for that? It's not, it's not easier. I mean, it's easy. I mean, I would never say it's easy. I think it's because we have um, uh, state money who funds feature films. Mm. And that's, that's a big thing here, which is amazing. I mean, it, in, in a, big uh, um, dream it would be like everybody in the world or everybody in Sweden were able to do a film if you have like an important topic on mind or an, an interesting story but I think that that mainly here in Sweden we're all like driven to to storytelling it's like it's a big thing I think for Sweden is either storytelling or it's uh, there is awesome amazing comedy directors here as well but but, but many of us wants to do feature films. So I'm I'm one of them who's like, yeah, I'm working on a feature film, but you never know if it's gonna happen, you know? It's like, you can say as much as you want, but you never know if you will actually be on that shoot and it will be a finalized film. So it's a bit scary to talk about, but all of us wants to kind of, I don't know, maybe it's something we say. Oh. It's. I mean, I'm guessing it's, to me, it's like we all kind of start out in that realm, or at least in our minds when we're kids, you don't think of like, I'm going to make commercials. So mm-hmm. I, I think what I think we found, at least talking to 30 some directors, is that people from Sweden and Scandinavia never really like, they don't diverge as much, I think, as other people. Like, I think they, they have that in their mind. Like, I'm really still making one to make feature films where like a lot of the American directors that I know, like, start making commercials and you really just fall into that for a certain amount of time because the money's good. And, and I'm not saying Scandinavian directors don't fall into that to some extent too, but I do think that they hold on to like films are why I got into this a little stronger. Yeah. And maybe yeah. it's because the art is appreciated more. It's filmmaking is considered more of an art in Europe than in the United States where it is considered a bit more commercial. At least that's what it seems to me, at least like to get a film funded. Now you have to, in the United States, it's like, how are you going to make your money back? And that's like, that's kind of question one instead of mm. what's well, the piece going to be. The, the commercials that you guys 
are able to do like, you know, the 10 minute Volvo short film, like things like that. I mean, I think you're just, we're seeing a little bit of that coming in the States, but I think you guys are far ahead of realizing that storytelling, like genuine storytelling is a form of advertising and is far more powerful than, you know, beating people over the head. I think like, I mean, yeah, I mean, it sounds obvious now, but it seems like you guys had a far, like a big head start on that. Why, why do you yeah. think that is? I think the advertising agencies here are really good. Mm. I think that that's like, you know, the, the first thing, of course, in the States, you had Droga 5, you have Ryan Kennedy, you have so mm-hmm. many advertising agencies who's famous for doing amazing work. And then suddenly there's just this trend that started in, in I'm, I think especially in Sweden, but also, of course, all over Europe that, you know, you, you were allowed to talk about emotions because talking about emotions and storytelling is a thing that people can, can connect with. And then that became kind of a thing, you know. We all know about this whole phase of, of montage films which is just like you know that specific shot that you kind of that makes you remember your own experiences they i don't know you know it's just like i think that with that i think i think it started some kind of trend kind of started about engaging people emotionally and then that developed to something like 10 minutes uh, short films but but i'm also one of those directors who's like we can't forget that we're still doing advertisement. I still have to sell something within a certain amount of of seconds. You know, there's like a fine limit of when am I doing something for myself and when am I doing something for for a client? And I also think that that's why we all focus on our own stuff, just to kind of keep our heads straight and, and, and remember where we come from in terms of why we wanted to start with this so that's like a way as well to kind of um survive through the fact that you're you you paid for your creativity and 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 that has its limits in in a good way as well because that's a part of the job do you feel like in do you feel like you're paid for your creativity or do you feel like you're uh, paid because sometimes i feel like as a commercial director you're sometimes paid to be almost like a um like technician or something you're almost just like making someone else's vision i mean you're adding in what you can and what they allow you but you're really just because they don't know how to technically uh even emotionally pull it off but you're taking someone else's uh, at least initial idea and making it something so do you feel like more and more that you're getting paid for you know your ideas Oh, it's so different. I think it d- depends on which country I, I work in and, and, and the client as well. But I definitely feel like I recognize what you're saying, especially with, with foreign. I mean, if you do a German car commercial, it's that can be tend to be like that. But I've, I always feel like I'm, I'm breathing a little bit more when I get back to Sweden because it's, it's definitely, you know, a true collaboration between us and the creatives and when, you, when you're working with good creatives i think that they often tend to actually open up and 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 take your creativity as um something that's important and relevant for the job um but i i do recognize what you're saying but i think it's it actually depends on job to job and the creatives yeah just along those lines i think a lot of directors can tend to kind of think of like yeah, I'm making commercials, but really I'm just making art. And if they want to call it a commercial, they can. 
you know, I think you kind of spoke about respecting that you are still selling something. I'm curious, like, what does that look like for you? Oh, that's, it's, a, it's a good question. And it's a very hard question as well. Uh, to me, I think that it's, it's kind of like a thing I like with working with commercials, actually, is the fact that I get to meet the client and I get to understand their needs. And I think just having that desire as an advertiser, you know, a commercial director gives you the understanding of what it actually means to do what you're hired to do in a way. Um, because I'm curious to them and I'm curious to understand why they need to do the, that specific idea and what they want to tell. Just that in general, I'm, I'm not also, I don't see myself as a big ego person. And I think that's something you learn as well throughout, you know, the years of working that, that you, you learn to lose your ego. And I think that's like, one of the major things because you need to in one at one part of the job you know that you're not going to win the discussion and that's just what it is um so and and that that does take a lot of time and i think that's something i had to work with especially in the beginning because you're like you're you're fighting so much with convincing people that you're right with what you're doing but also you're fighting with convincing yourself that you know what the fuck you're doing and then that kind of goes into, you know, developing some kind of ego or the fact that you get hurt by them not believing in you. And when you forget about that, I think it's just a matter of like, then you can actually start having fun because they will always say no to a lot of stuff. Mm. Um, I guess following up on the ego thing, um, do you think sometimes that the ego and uh, is something that protects us in a way? Like that if, if you have an outward shell of kind of, of I know everything that you're kind of protecting yourself from being um, her. Cause I think a lot of times as a director, you're, you're, you're always trying to deal with the onslaught of ideas. And I think we all try different tactics. Like sometimes it's, it's saying yes to everything makes it, but sometimes that's not the right tactic. Cause then you get walked over. So, you know, how do you think ego plays in with dealing with clients? I suppose. Or, or just a general thing. I think I think it's a huge problem. I think just in general, like one example would be maybe my taste isn't this kind of music, but it's what's the best for the film. So I think I have to I have to look beside my ego to be able to actually do a good piece of job. So I think, but I I do agree with you that sometimes you will feel like, and I think that we all feel it that we've lost a part of ourselves because we we've kind of given in. So that's kind of a, you know, a, a hard battle sometimes, but I, I don't know. It's, it's always what's best for the, for the product itself. Not that, you know, the film. Yeah. I think it, it's, sure. That's just like, that, that's how it has to be. Well, like um, with, with music videos, a lot of directors, myself included, it's like, if we don't, if you don't really like connect with the song on a personal level or like believe in, the artist or whatever you're not going to take it on do you do you feel that same way at all with commercials or or do you do you feel like it's it's different and you can just you can just see it as a job it's i mean i'm a mother so i have to pay my bills uh i do have there's some there's of course jobs i say no to um but it depends what kind of situation i'm in mm -hmm. um i w i need to have some kind of uh, 
interest in 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 you know it's not about the money i'm do that's not the reason why i'm doing it but I, so i have to have a certain interest in the topic itself or i need to be able to learn something last year i did a project that would like i would never wanted to you know the whole like uh cgi world whatever animations never interest me but i got the chance to work with it and i was just why not doing it i, I also tend to do things that um i've never done before because i need to evolve so i see a lot of my especially because i want to do feature films so i see a lot of the jobs as kind of a, a way to try out stuff and then be able to, but there there's like a bottom line that i don't cross mm. often and there's also clients i do not want to work with um for like my own ideological uh, values yeah. yeah do you have do you have a line i suppose like uh, do you because I've had projects come up, I think we all have that kind of question, you know, you know, I, if someone just asked you about the company or what they do, you'd say, you know, I, I don't really mess with that. But then something comes in, you have to literally make that decision, like, I'm going to turn down money for a project. Um, without specifics, have you ever had to do that? Like, go, like have, have a project come in that maybe the project itself was cool, but the 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 company maybe that you didn't, you didn't really personally believe in and you had to be like, sorry, I can't, I can't. A lot of times. Yeah. Definitely. And also, I also judge the things that they want to say. I mean, there was this whole period of greenwashing within commercials. So you have to understand why they're... I mean, it's just like analyzing what do you want to say and what kind of brand are you. And, you know, I have to stick into some kind of values within it. Um, I've also done jobs, of course, where I actually regretted the fact that I worked for that specific um, um, brand afterwards. But um, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. I mean, we, I, I still have to admit I'm working in the commercial industry. So so um, already there I crossed the line, you know, like it's also a bit pathetic sure. in a way of me saying it like that. And maybe this isn't something we want to necessarily go down, but I, I consider this always of like, because I can sense it in you is like the, the morality in itself of just, just advertising. Like, yeah. do you ever, do you ever feel, um, you know, I think what we do is not as intrusive as a lot of the, the media that is the advertising that is kind of promoted. Um, you know, filmmaking, I feel like you, you do opt in, like if you're watching TV, you're, you're opting into knowing that commercials are coming up. If you're, you know, you're YouTube, you know, that that's coming up pre-roll, there are some other forms of advertisement though on your phone and social media that, you know, you know, they're, they're more targeted. Uh, do you ever, do you ever grapple with that kind of like conundrum of I came in this from filmmaking now I'm advertising. Is there anything wrong with advertising? You know? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Yeah, of course I have those kind of thoughts. Yeah. Uh... But, but ultimately do you find some, you know, like, I suppose because I, I know personally I I just I just uh, explained why I still do it like I still feel like I'm opting in. Um, do you rationalize it anyway, or do you, or maybe you know, is there anything about advertising that maybe you think is a positive? I actually, I do think there's a positive thing. I mean, I I often tend to because I also think a lot about you know whom I'm casting, whom I'm. Uh, why I choose these kind of uh, locations. The fact that I can actually engage in, in a conversation with a client like that, 
and give a new perspective and actually um, it shows something commercially to out to the public, which often in in my head would have a more diverse perspective. Um, I think that's that's very good. I mean, I'm very, very happy and proud about that. And I al- I'm also very happy and proud about the fact that I can actually push a client um, to do those kind of choices that they, they would normally don't do, of course, because they often tend to come from the same kind of social class uh, and have the same sex. So in that way, I think that's that's super good. I'm I have put a lot of problems into doing good commercial work and craft. Uh, and I'm, I have the foremost respect for all the directors out there who does the same and who fight so hard to do what they do because they have, you know, because of their craft. Um, so I, I've never been ashamed by the fact that I do commercial work either. Uh, but I also feel like sometimes you are a bit drained because as we talked about before, it's essentially, I mean, in the end, it's, you don't, you're not the one who picks. And that, that can be pretty, that can be pretty hardcore. Yeah. yeah, you know, when you're standing on a shoot and you're shooting people you don't want to shoot who can't act with a DP that you sometimes don't choose yourself because the client has to choose them, you know, it's like, it's hard. But I guess we like the challenge, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's go back to the start. Let, tell us how how you got into all of this, just directing directing in general, and then you know transitioning into it as a career. I tried to get into film school as the first thing. I always wanted to be a filmmaker, um, doing feature films, because I'm grown up with my parents showing me all these old Danish, because I'm from Copenhagen, so they showed me all these old Danish movies by Winterberg and definitely Los von Trier. And I remember when I saw like the element of crime, which is one of Trier's most, you know, his one of his first films, I was so mesmerized by the fact that you can actually, you know, create a your own kind of world. And also the fact that I mean, there's this visual medium that's called film where all these people are working together, creating this. It's like God kind of created something, you know, when you're seeing it. It's super crazy. So I really wanted to be a filmmaker. Uh, and in Denmark, there's this amazing school called the Danish Film School, um, which I applied to and I didn't get into. Uh, really? Yeah. Which I'm today super happy about. Yeah. Because after that day, I was just like, I need to make a decision. I need to become a filmmaker. And I, I already at that time knew that what differentiates filmmakers are the ones who continue and the ones who doesn't. I mean, that's the only difference in a way. So I started doing director's assistant jobs for a couple of years for amazing directors. Um, and learned a lot from that and also as a researcher researching for them working all the time mostly for free so i had like you know i think it was five years or something where i had side jobs all the time to pay my bills and then i went to shoot to second ad or do whatever that was necessary for these directors 
And also at that time, I started to work with music videos, which is kind of, you know, a good way to start for, for many. I know that today people actually start shooting commercials. That's the first thing. But in my days, in my generation, um, that's what we started with, doing music videos. And from that on, I contacted a couple of production companies. Uh, one that was in Sweden, where uh, the new land owners were working at that time. We we're all from like the same generation. And I asked them, like, could you produce this music video I'm doing for this Swedish artist? And that's kind of, kind of where it slowly took off. A couple of months later, I moved to Stockholm. And then I had two years of, of staying at my French couches, doing music videos and like doing some kind of commercial work. And I don't know, it's like, that's seven years ago. Was there ever a moment that it felt like, well, I'm really doing this from, for my career or did it really even just like starting out PAing, it was like, this is going to be the path. Was there, or was there a moment where you're like, well, I'm really going to be doing this for a career? I've always been super determined in a way where also sometimes um, I think at that time I forgot to analyze uh, why I actually wanted to be a filmmaker because you you know you get so much into this whole thing of the shoot and 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 the short deadlines and and how much you're working um, but for me there's no other way like that was the only way I had and also because I didn't get into film school I wasn't one of the kids who was just like, you know, picked by someone and like, now I'm going to make you into a filmmaker. I just had to work hard for it. So I had no other choice in a way. And to me, that was like the best film school I could have because then I made some kind of decision of like, okay, so it's going to be really hard. I'm not going to sleep and I'm not going to have any money, but I still find it super fun. Because there's some kind of adrenaline being on a shoot and creating something together. And I still get that when I go to a shoot. So that's pretty exciting. As I'm curious, I mean, obviously in, in the States, there is still like a, there's still some big hurdles in place for female filmmakers. And I think, you know, we're making good steps to to fix that or at least at least there's some progress being made um what what's like the climate like over there and like for you did you feel like did you feel that pressure were you were you like or did you feel like you were going to have a tougher tougher road or were you did you just like think of yourself as a filmmaker and and just push forward I mean, when I started, there was only two other directors who were female in Scandinavia. So that's mm -hmm. not a lot. And I remember as an assistant, uh, one of the producers said, I'm not going to hire a female because she will never, no client will ever give her a big budget. And I was so provoked by it. But that's just one of the things that you heard for so many years. Also, the, the first years of my own career as a, like official as a director, a lot of, of uh, agencies were saying, like, I can't hire a new director. I will definitely not hire a woman. Um, but in, in, for me, it was such a force because I was so provoked by it. So I actually feel like maybe I even used it a bit that I was a female because I just got into that whole thing uh, where they're, especially in Sweden, because they're, talk, they're talking a lot about gender equality. 
that I could actually use it and be like, yeah, but I can't change my sex, but maybe I have another perspective than you. So the fact that I am a woman, I mean, I will, I see the world differently than you guys do. I also want to show everybody that I do as much as you can and, and there's no problem with that. But it took time and I still feel like uh, there is there's still a difference between men and women and that's because we don't have the same kind of show will as most of you guys do but uh, and i'm not trusted with that kind of brands but i mean i i the last job i did it was mercedes and i'm doing a volo commercial in june and i do a lot of car uh which is like not a female target either but so i'm like i'm super lucky by the fact that i am i see all these amazing jobs and and I'm a woman and it feels like it's kind of changed, you know, but also super quick. Yeah. Really? It, it seems fast as far as the, the transition. Definitely. You... Yeah. I mean, when I started seven years ago, there was two women and now we're so many and there's so many talented uh, directors coming out there. I mean, one of the biggest directors in the world is Kim Gary, then there's Ayofi, there's so many role models. When I started, I had like Catherine Bigelow and like others, of course, but they were mostly feature film based. And then, and now there's so many like amazing commercial directors who happens to be women. So it's, you know, a lot of things changed in very, very short time. Well, I feel like kind of a, a beautiful thing in it is that kind of what we were talking about earlier and just finding, finding a reason to do what you do it's like more than Keenan and I or any guy would have like there's always at least that fact that you are breaking ground you are you're a different voice pushing through for something that's never been done before and it's like Mm -hmm. so like no matter what the commercial is like you're still doing that which I think is really that's really cool to always like you always have that and you can take that into any job and I think that's really special I agree. I, it is, it's super powerful. And I think that every single woman should be very proud of the fact of what they're doing because it's, it's so new in the industry as well. And it's, uh, it's pretty it's, it's special. And then one day when I get old, it, it would be a normal thing, hopefully. Yeah. Well, one, one thing we always like to ask, you kind of touched on um, some of the filmmakers you watched growing up. But do you have any any specific recommendations or, or films that really kind of touched you uh, to to inspire you or kind of you feel like maybe set uh, set kind of your style or taste in in motion? Oh, it changes so much. When I was, I mean, like, before I became a mother, um, I just wanted to do like sci-fi and action movies. So that's what I'm kind of grown up with. So even, and I know it's it's even a bit cheesy of me to say, but I've always wanted to do films like uh, Born or like, you know, all those kind of films because they're both like uh, emotional, but they're also about the world and they're about politics and whatever. And then suddenly I think that my two two years ago i became a mother and that changed a lot and then suddenly you also draw into other kind of movies so right now it's it's more like you know 
marriage story and <laughs> whatever it depends it kind of depends on where you are in life and i also think that that's uh why you got intrigued to stuff when you were when you were s small and you saw the films for the first time it was just like you know it depends on where you are and they keep on they're like books they keep on telling you a new story every single time you're watching them um so i and then for me it, it changes i can't even say what kind of film that inspired me or uh, that could kind of define me as the person I am today because I actually don't even know. Do you struggle at all with like um, with style and and trying to come and trying to um, I guess hone your style in a way that um, feels like it's you or worried that your style if I take this job it might it's kind of different than what I normally do do you do you consciously think about that or or do you, um, or can you kind of close off that exterior uh, mindset of uh, being worried about uh, your own personal style? Because you talked about like liking Born, but also Marriage Stories. So, like when you're writing films, are you thinking like, oh, I should be doing films like this and not like this? There's definitely. I mean, I'm not. You guys are so visual, and the, I mean, I'm visual as well. But I've always been intrigued by people, so it's always been like my main thing. Is just like how do you tell this story in the the best way um so i've always this has always been a thing that i've been struggling with like what kind of style do you have uh also in in combination with what is the best way to tell this story as well um so i tend to go back to the thing that it it is about what's best for the story but it's hard for me to to kind of talk about because when I started, I didn't get like, you know, a, I got a tiny kind of budget and then everything was documentary that I made. And then I got into this whole like thing of only doing documentary commercials or documentary jobs and they tend to look like themselves. And then you start to mix formats, but it's still the same thing, you know, and then and then you want to get into storytelling. But who are you there? So this like every single job for me has been kind of transforming into finding my own style. Um, yeah. But I'm also not uh, a kind, I'm, I've never been a format person. Like uh, it's not about it's it. I've always been like, what's in, what's inside, what kind of people are we showing and what kind of story are we telling as well? So it's definitely been style itself has been a thing I have been struggling with. Um, but I feel like today I finally feel the trust in it because I learned how to communicate my inner thoughts to my DPs, but I'm depending a lot on my DPs. In, in, the, in the same regard, because I, I totally agree with you on style, um, but also something that I always worry about is tone as well. So like regardless of the visual style of it, like tonally, it's like this project I just did is so tonally different than this project I just did. Like, is anyone seeing, you know, like, are you seeing me and my work because it's everything's so different? Do you think about that as well? Like, I did this comedy piece and, oh, so now am I being more lighthearted, but I also want to do action and then I get kind of worked up over, like, should I be more singular in the way that I'm, I'm approaching my work? But that's actually a thing that kind of provokes me that you have to be, do the same thing all over again and again and again. I mm. feel like that's definitely a thing in especially the commercial world that we have to like the EPs are always telling us that oh I need to see who you are but like I can't do six of the same kind of jobs you know what I mean it's just like 
I need to evolve and I need to try stuff out and I need to be able to do things with different tones. Uh, also to, you know, find out what I think is interesting and, and where I want to be. And also the fact that like we do evolve as well. Like we, we're not the same directors uh, today as we were two years ago. And we have to be able to evolve in that. I mean, uh, I've done comedy a couple of times. I'm a horrible at comedy. I think it's the hardest thing ever to do because it's so much about timing. Um, especially the tone of it is it's you know it's really really difficult so i know today that i'm not a comedy director but whereas uh but i hope i will still evolve and i hope that i get the chance to kind of do it as well so i'm definitely the person who's like against the fact that you can't do different kind of types of jobs um i think you have to do that as a as a filmmaker um what let's let's talk about failures because i think it it's something that as directors we're all very familiar with whether that's just whether that's losing a losing a job you're bidding on or maybe even just a failure in like your expectation for how something was going to turn out and it not Mm -hmm. meeting that are there any any kind of specific examples that stick out to you and and you know how did you recover from those and grow through them I think my biggest failure was the fact that I, for many years, thought that I should have the answer to everything. Uh, the, the fear of not telling, especially like crew members, that I didn't know, or you know, just the, the fear of being transparent about where I was creatively and which kind of process. I think that that was a huge failure for me to not be able to to actually uh, be honest. I think that that's like the big, biggest strength you can have as, as a director and a leader to actually be honest. And I also think specifically a failure I had for many years was to not be aligned with my producer. Like to, to see my producer as kind of my co-worker and not see them as a person who says no, no to a crane or a helicopter or whatever. <laughs> and do you understand what I mean? It's just like yeah. it, it, it took a long time to actually understand how to to appreciate the process together with my colleagues and and also see them as many times they know better than I do. Um, I need to explain to them why I do not know um, the, what they're asking me for, and then I need to involve involve them with with the questions and 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 um, to go get further. And I think that 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 took me some years to actually be transparent about. Um, and I, I see that as a failure, but I also see that as a strength to kind of learn to, to how I want to work. Um, yeah. Do you, um, I mean, and this is relative to failure as, as well, I suppose, and just the dramatic swings, but how do you deal with um, on set? You're the, you're the, most of the time you're the pinnacle you know, you're the top, everyone's talking to you, asking you questions. You like this shirt, you like that shirt, you know, that kind of uh, crazy euphoric feeling that, that that gives. And then the next day, almost, you're unemployed. Like, mm. you're, you're, <laughs> you're just waking up, making yourself, you know, and you've, you know, you might be involved in the post project, certainly more in Europe, but um, you might just be done with the project that you just spent two months on. How do you deal with those those big mood swings that a director goes through? You know, or maybe they're not mood swings, but they're just swings in in lifestyle. I think today it's kind of like, how do my family cope with that? Because that's a hard thing to get home with. 
it's it's super hard it's like going to a festival and then you had so much fun with a lot of people and you had all these memories and then suddenly it's done and you go home and you're like super depressed because you're not going to experience that again you're not going to go to that concert or you know like experience this whole roller coaster again with the same kind of people and you're not going to have you know not going to wake up and then they'll 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 be calling you so it's it's super hard um i learned to deal with it now i have so much on my plate all the time i feel like because i have a kid uh so that kind of take away and and it kind of grounds me but but it's still something i have to deal with and it takes a couple of weeks to kind of get over the whole depression part of of um you know the producers aren't calling you anymore the eps are too busy with something else you know that's mm-hmm. like you're not popular anymore so that 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 does take uh take some time uh luckily here in europe we are so involved with the post-production we're at the online so we finalize the whole thing and i don't unfortunately i don't do that many u.s jobs so so for me i'm kind of lucky because i I get to be a part of everything, so I kind of get to to go down with the roller coaster together with the people, and then I get to land. That helps a lot. But besides that, I mean, I don't even know how I would be doing a feature film because I think that that would be even more uh, stressful, and and a big depression will come after that. <laughs> and I'm curious, I guess you know, transitioning to to the kind of narrative space when when you're mm-hmm. writing. Um, I'm, and if, when you're writing like scripts for features or shorts or whatever, are you envisioning that everything you're writing, you are going to do, you're going to actually film or are you able to separate the two? Just cause I think for me personally, I can kind of limit my imagination, my creativity because subconsciously I'll be wearing like my producer hat and be like, this, you know, I could never shoot this, so I'm not going to write it, but that's very limiting. Like if I was writing a novel, I wouldn't, I feel like I'd be so much more creative. How, mm. What's been your experience with that? Oh, I write so many short films and for the short films, I feel like I have to write what I'm actually able to do. Uh, just because I'd rather work on something I, I can actually create than something that's just impossible. But I also think that that's why I can't write. I mean, I, I'm not able. I'm not able to take that. Hat. I could do it for short films, like 15 minutes short films, but I can't do it for long, longer formats because I will limit myself so much. I would be exactly like you're saying, like you know, seeing all these different things, and then I'll be like, oh, no, I can't do this. I can't do this because it's just going to be impossible, and they're going to say no. They're never going to find me. So, so I I recognize that a lot and. Uh, even though I wish I could be like the uh, auteur of, of writing and directing, I'm not that kind of person. It's because I can't write dialogue, but also because I I'm, I would definitely limit myself too much. It's hard, it's right? Like writing is... is yeah, absolutely. I, it, I, so, it, so then are you partnering yourself with specific writer, writers and stuff for some of your future projects? Will you... Um, try to collaborate with someone who maybe is a little stronger at dialogue, but then you can have a hand in writing kind of the the structure of it. Would you, would you say you work more that way? Yeah. 
the, the last example that's the way i'm working but i still haven't found i'm mostly right now i'm working on on two different projects that i'm working on myself just to understand exactly what i want and and investigate that before i go to to script writers i've done some sessions before with script writers um and then because it's like a marriage in a way it takes time to understand if you should work together and then sometimes it's just not you don't have the same vision or you don't want to do the same thing and then uh you need to find someone else so it's i mean that's kind of going back to the fact that i didn't get into film school i think that's the only thing i'm super annoyed by the uh, why I didn't go to film school because in in at film school you get often get a scriptwriter you kind of develop with for many years, and it's super h- hard to find one. Um, so I'm still looking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There needs to be like a a resource to connect connect the yeah. two. Yeah, called Instagram. Yeah, or <laughs> or it's called Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. that may be true. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I guess, you know, looking, looking forward, are there any, any project specific projects that, that you're working on or anything that you have kind of coming up in your immediate future that you're excited about? I mean, right now in this, in this quarantine life, I get to work a lot on my short films. Um, so that's pretty exciting. I'm working on one that I hope I'll get funded, uh, and be able to shoot whenever I'm allowed to shoot. So maybe August, September. I don't. I don't know. Uh, so that's that's something I'm super excited about. Um, then I have commercial jobs as well that's pending. You know, waiting to be able to do. And then I have one feature um, that I'm working on. But as well as my Swedish coworkers, you know, you, you never know. You know, you never know what will happen. I hope. At least two of the three things will happen, and then I'll see. So you you mentioned this uh, this this time. Um, we've been asking, or at least we asked the last guest, if they had any book recommendations or films or TV or anything that you've uh, you've you've uh, found during this. Uh, I guess I'll call it a break. Um, mm. Is there anything you've been um, getting into? The new season of Curb by Larry David is amazing. I mean, he's always like the best person, and I think that that's a kind kind of what we need right now. Uh, he opens like spit stores, and he's I don't know, he's just fucking genius. I love him, and I'm not even a Seinfeld girl. I just I just yeah. love Kurt Yorkusness, and, and I I can see them over and over again. And then I think that there's also this new miniseries um, by the creators creators of The Wire. It's on HBO. It's called The Plot Against America. Mm. It's amazing. You have to see it. Like, I don't want to say anything, but the script, the casting, the like the craft is just mind blowing. It's really, really, really good. So it's only four or five episodes. So I think everybody is able to take it in. And I'm not. I'm not gonna say Tiger King. I think everybody watches <laughs> Tiger King at the moment, and I actually feel like dirty after watching it. Like I need to take a shower because oh, yeah. it's just it's too much. That's I can't what I felt like. I'm, I'm too European. I can't watch it. It's too much for me. <laughs> it made me uncomfortable for sure. 
Yeah. For sure. um, One last thing before we get to our final question, just, just in regards to short films, like what, what's your relationship with them? And like, and I know you spoke about funding, like where does that come from? Um, But then also like, just what, how do you see shorts? Because I think they're, they can be kind of a confusing thing. Like for like, what is the value of them? Like, is it a proof of concept? Like, Mm. because obviously you're not going to make your money back. So like Mm. where, you know, what are they to you? Mm. I think it's, it's kind of the way to tell a part of yourself and who you are as a director. Just a short glimpse of it. I think there's two different ways of, of doing a short film. Either the one, like, uh, I have one short film in development, which is um, very much like an action thriller. And that's because I need to show in the future that I'm able to do that and I am able to work with suspense and I'm able to work with, you know, this kind of, of um, um, dramatic curve. So that's that's one thing that completely just professional in terms of, of showing founders um, that I'm able to do that, which is the most important job to to get feature film funding. And then the other one I'm working on is so personal that um, it's a way of me for me to kind of investigate um, who I am and also where I am in life. Um, it's not uh, action or sci-fi or any other thing. It's about a mother that left her family for her career and then 30 years later she's coming back in hopes to kind of um, connect with her child again. And for me, that's a lot of like, you know, this is things I, me and my friends talk a lot about, like how to struggle, how you're struggling with motherhood at the same time as, as you're, you know, struggling with your career and you're fighting for that. In my example, I'm a lot away, you know, a lot of the times I'm away from my family and you feel like you can't be a mother and you can't be, you um, can't be, have a career at the same time. It's really difficult. So that's kind of, you know, a way to kind of investigate myself and just like from my own personal needs, I have to be able to go into the story and kind of uh, investigate my own values and my own beliefs. So there's two different ways of seeing it. And I, I don't think that anyone, any of them is bad either. That's but it's hard, you know, like the fact of, of doing a short film, it has to be, no matter what, it has to be worth it because it's not like there's this huge audience for it either. So, so we need to kind of understand what the purpose are of why we're telling the stories. Yeah, no, I, th- I think both of what you said are really good reasons because I think I think it's easy to to think about making anything in this medium as like for an audience, really. But mm. like with shorts, especially, I just feel like it's so unlikely that you're going to get an audience that's that's worth, you know, if that's your reason for doing it, I feel like it's very hard to get an audience that will like make it worthwhile. So I think, mm. I think your reasons are are good because um that way, if you do get an audience, then it's that's that's amazing. But um, that can be just like the cherry on top, which I think is is good. But we all know it's super hard to get them into festivals. It's just that is a challenge. Like everything with the short film is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's always so it has to be worth it. And I have to draw, you know, the whole crew into this kind of game. Uh, 
And then that way I need to know why I'm doing it because I need to explain to them why I'm doing it as well. And, you know, there has to be some kind of purpose of it. Otherwise, it's just not okay to use people's time, I think. Right. Absolutely. Well, last one we we like to end on. Is there anything, one one or two pieces of advice that you would give to a filmmaker that's just starting out? Maybe something that you wish you would have known seven years ago um this own this one advice i learned from frank zappa which is there's only one way that's a hard way and i remember my my dad said that since i was like five or something and i actually think that's very true that there's just like even though it's super hard for many years it's just like that's the only way to go so but that's not like that's one thing in my own beliefs that i've been living with my whole life um i don't i actually there's no advice i would give myself because i'm so happy about my own journey and all like the mistakes i've done i'm super uh, i treasure them a lot so sometimes i think about would there be any other way for me in life and my career but i don't know Maybe it's just don't be afraid to make mistakes then. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's just that one. I think maybe that's that's the best thing. Don't be afraid of making mistakes or admitting that you're wrong as well. Sometimes I'm so jealous on the older generations that they didn't have Instagram and all the social media because I think that it's super stressful to see every other director always being on a shoot especially when you don't have a job and you're like seeing them posting amazing pictures and footage of their last shoot or the last job and you're like i feel like i'm dying uh i it, that's also something like it took me a while to get used to that and, and cope with it and just deal with the stuff i did myself and i think that that's sometimes the hardest thing with our industries it's so much competition um against each other and it's so and it's so hard because even though you think you did something that's amazing and you won awards and the next day there will always be someone else who will win those kind of awards you know it's like it goes so fast um i feel like i don't know why i wanted to talk about this i just feel like um it taught me so much about um being humble and also, uh, I think that definitely I was jealous before, but but today I, I kind of, that's something that, that, I mean, it took a while for me to understand that it doesn't matter what everybody else does because it only matters what you do yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It, I think what helps me is there's not infinite, you know, it's not a finite number of projects or, you know, I, there, it doesn't necessarily mean that – I mean, at a, certainly at a high level, people are competing against each other consistently, but there is still a lot of work. I think the problem that we see today is that there are a lot of directors for uh, for a certain number of work, but that's really a good thing as well, I, I would mm. argue, that you're mm. getting a more democratized voices. Like there mm. are more people that can get into the industry as directors and tell their stories easier than they could have. 10 years ago. So while there was an Instagram and they probably felt safer at the, you know, at the top, I do think it's let a lot of new voices come in. Um, 
get it breaking through from a new voice to a kind of accomplished director is very hard. But um, I think for me personally, I think it's, it's probably a good thing that there are more, more, you know, more directors, certainly there's more female directors, more directors of color. Um, so it's, I've recently been able to get myself onto that kind of train that like, yeah. there is a lot of competition, but there is also, it's, it's also a beautiful thing as well. Yeah. That's yeah, a, but I, it does take time, right? Like going from the all other thing to to like, especially going back to your own question of being like, how do you handle the fact when you're unemployed and you haven't, or you lost like ten pitches after in a row and you like keep on seeing that? Um, but I think that that's important, keeping especially as you say, like going up to the the bigger perspective and and remind yourself of the bigger perspective of it. I, I think for me, what when I realized how toxic my thinking had become was when I started to like feel nothing but resentment when I saw something really beautiful or something yeah. really well crafted, and I'm just like, how backwards is that? Like, yeah, like as a human being, I want to be able to enjoy a good thing whether or not I made it. And I think like, that's, that's where I want to be. I want to be just as happy and I want to appreciate something just as much if one of you guys make it as if I do myself, like, and I, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's easier to say that than to do it. But I think that Mm. if that's something we can like work towards, appreciate Mm. something because just because it's good, just because it's, it touched you, like, let it, let it touch you, let it impact you and, and I think just fight off that resentment because it, it'll fester. And like, I think, and if you, for me, I needed to take a long break from Instagram. Like, I don't like, I think a lot of people are maybe are trying to change the way they feel, but they're not changing what they're ingesting. Like mm-hmm. you, you like, I think people are like, they just want to willpower their way through it like i'm gonna still like take in and look at all this stuff but i'm also gonna change the way i feel it's like you might just need to take a break from it like and then reflect and then maybe when you come back it'll be easier but that's for me i've just but i yeah but i also think it's because it's so rare that we're on a shoot as well and it's so difficult for us to get a good job we all know that many of our colleagues are uh amazing directors i mean i know mm. so many directors who's so much better than me and and you get like you get to be a better director the more you're on a shoot and the more you learn from all the issues you have on a shoot and then i think it's the fact that when you see all these great dps and they keep on you know flying to a, to a new country to a new shoot you know they get all these fucking chances to do amazing jobs and you're like oh, like i'm i just i would kill to be able to do this but I, I mean, I, te- I definitely agree with you on the fact that it's a matter of like taking a distance to it and seeing why, and that also that took time to kind of, you know, it, it triggers you in the beginning, and you, you kind of, uh, you have a force because you want to show everyone that you can do that as well, or you are like also good, and then in the end, it's kind of like what's so good with instagram it's like it feels like we're all kind of one community uh and every single time you go to another city there's always some you can connect with so sometimes it feels like you have friends all over the world and they're like not your uh competition they're more like your co-workers in a way so i think that's like a good way of seeing it 
but it's it's definitely like I understand why many people are troubled by it because it it is a lot of competition in terms of of the field of work that we have uh, and what we need to prove. You know, yeah. it's like so much on stake every single time. I would certainly say that like there's definitely a, a negative to social media. I was sure to a lot of people, but. I, I would also agree that there's a great positive in the community. I mean, we wouldn't be able to be speaking to directors from all over the country without Instagram. Like I have, like, like you just said, like I have friends now in Germany and different places that I talk to literally daily that mm. all we share in common from the surface is that we do production. And then once we, you know, speak more, it's like, now they're just my friends. Like, cause we, we have similar, you know, feelings. We grew up similarly. We have, uh, we view the world through a, a similar lens. So mm. I, there are very, big positives as well to, to mm -hmm. social media. And I, I guess it's in your own personal journey to figure out at which dosage you should be taking social media, if at all. Um, mm -hmm. But um, certainly I would just want to say that there has been great positives in my own career. And certainly like my career is better for Instagram. And I don't, I don't think I try very hard on Instagram at all. So, um, and I don't, I don't even know if a ton of filmmakers anymore do f try that hard on Instagram. Honestly, I think they just post their shoots and, and such. Um, I feel like you see less, you guys agree with this? You feel like you see less like curation on Instagram? At least I, I feel like you have in the last couple of years. Like I remember people would have the same background and every picture would be in the same color palette. Now that seems reserved for like art and music, but less of directing. I feel like directing is, people are a little less curated now. I actually, no, I actually don't. I really? Maybe that's because I, I live in Sweden, but I feel like every single director, like putting the most perfect image on with like the per perfect layout and the logo, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. also intimidated because I'm not a graphic designer or anything. Like I just post right. shit. So, so uh, maybe, maybe that also depends on where you are. Uh, yeah, who you follow. I feel like, yeah. I feel like one of the things I noticed happening that kind of, I think, Maybe at least, maybe it's like in the states a reason to Keenan's point why we started to see that is a lot of a lot of like directors who kind of reach to a point of like they made it like no. they just either deleted their account or they just haven't posted since 2016 and so yeah, I exactly. think it's like yeah that's true I think you look at those people and you're like oh like so like making it means you stop caring about Instagram. Like, and that I think nice. like, I can't lie. That's had an impact on me. Like there's people we've had yeah. on this show who like, they literally haven't posted in three years because they're out, you know, shooting the biggest projects ever. So it's kind of like, I think that seeing that has kind of impacted me where it's like, Oh, well, so I don't know. It's weird though, because you you're also like, well, maybe they needed it to get to that point. So maybe I have to continue <laughs> it until then. But yeah, because it feels like people actually do get jobs out of it. They do. I, mean, I do think that there's a lot of directors getting jobs out of it because advertisement, the creatives are, are watching their Instagram. So um, I don't know. I it's just a matter of like the whole. Uh, I'm I'm definitely criticizing myself as well. So it's not like I mean I'm. I'm including myself but sometimes it just all feels so fake right yeah, yeah you know marketing and branding kind of is sometimes yeah <laughs> you know but it's uh no it's it's a fascinating conversation because i think it's uh, something on everyone's mind and what i would say also we we're kind of talking about it we, we always speak about this like uh this make it or this next level or whatever but the goalpost just moves 
like mm. we we just move it ourselves like mm. it, like first it was get a broadcast tv commercial then it's you know now it's this mm. then it's get a movie once you get a movie it's this so mm. it's it's finding some enjoyment in the process don't you think do you guys feel yeah. like once you find because the because the end goal changes on us yeah you need to learn to love the process because that's the most important thing like having fun is so important because otherwise it's it's too difficult because there's so many goals all the time and you I don't know with you guys but like I'm never happy like I'm never happy I'm never content it's never good enough and I'm never at the goal that I wanted to be and I never feel like I made it so do you have do you yeah. guys have this feeling at all like now that we're sitting here in quarantine quarantine whatever um it's well, like I'm pulling my hair out wanting to shoot things because I like look at my work and I'll be like, it's, it's just not good enough. And then I like, yeah. I want to be out shooting things right now because it's actually made, given me more time to be reflective of what I've done. And, and that's like, that's one anxiety I've had. I mean, there's much bigger things in the world. People are actually getting sick. And, you know, this is very minimal compared to that. But I've had this feeling of like, man, all I want to do right now is shoot. Yeah, I know. Me too. But it's also the fact we don't know when we are able to to go in a shoot as well yeah. it's like we're addicts and like we just need our fix <laughs> i just gotta shoot i feel like in a weird i almost it's i mean i definitely have had the the craving to shoot but at the same time i would say my anxiety is actually lessened knowing that no one else is shooting like <laughs> the entire world has their cameras on the shelves so it's like normally i think normally when you're like writing you're always fighting off calling it done so I can go shoot it or keep writing until it's perfect. And we're, and like now I feel like the voice of like, just stop and go shoot it. Like, I feel like that's, that's not as loud right now because you can't. Um, and I, like I saw in an interview recently with, um, uh, what's her name? Lulu Wang, the director of uh, the farewell. And she was yeah. saying that like, the most she was learns that like a film goes from good to great entirely in like the last 10% of effort. And I think that's like true in every stage. Like that's mm -hmm. true in writing and that's also true in production, but especially in like editing for me, I've, I find like I want to just get it out there into the world, but like there's been multiple projects that I was editing during this time. And I'm like, I felt like, for the first time in a while I was able to give that final 10% because I wasn't in like a, such a rush to get it out there. So I don't know. That's, that's just been interesting for me. I wow. don't, I don't find that at all. I'm the exact opposite. I personally like an impulsive creative in the sense that like, I think the more we spend too much time on things, this is my opinion, but I think yeah. we've been, and I don't, this doesn't even have to make the podcast, but my my opinion is is that we spend too much time re-editing, asking ten different people's opinions, fifteen different people's opinions, and then especially on a passion project because we do this on commercial always anyway. Like yeah. on a passion project, I want it to be so like as much singularly mine as possible because I want to get closer to even if it's not as good, even if it's ten, you know, like you said, ten percent not as good. I want to figure out what I was trying to say for the next time. I was trying to do this. I, mm. I, I have found the more and more notes I get on passion projects, the less it becomes like me and the more mm. it becomes more like everything else. Mm. Um, and, and I'm not saying I have like profoundly singular found my voice or anything yet, but I actually think there's a value to, to knowing when to, when to 
cut it off and say like this is this is good this is what i like and and putting it out into the world so it's so personal right yeah i i mean for that kind of process I have this. I have the same thing of like I feel like I'm always pushed so much within the limitations of the days within the commercials, and that's just what it is. But when I'm doing my passion projects, like I need, I need time, because I need to like experience and, and know what I mean. But there's always a limit of like when do you lose yourself and your own voice, and what do you actually wanna wanna tell? But I always also find editing very very hard like i don't know if you heard this but sofia coppola says uh, you're never as good as your dailies but you're never as bad as your rough cuts and i like to me that's just like that's how i feel it's it's a complete depression going through rough cuts it's really hard mm. um so it's not like my favorite thing but i'm happy that i worked with some amazing editors and and uh they're helping me out. Let me see. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess for me that I think the final that final ten percent for me is entirely like internal. So like that is really like me finding what I the truest form of what I'm trying to say because yeah. I edit all of my own projects too is probably a big part of it. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I will reach out for notes, but for the most part, it's like entirely I know it's not ready yet. And I think there's been projects in the past where I felt it was only 95% there, but Mm. I just was so desperate to put some work out there because I hadn't done it in so long. Um, So I guess that's more so what I'm speaking to. Yeah. But I see it both ways. You definitely can just tinker something into the ground and it just, you know. So I think, yeah, it, it's just internal. You have to just know. For yeah, but name. it also depends of what kind of project it is. Yeah. I feel like. I mean, some projects you can't get further. It's just like, you mm-hmm. know, just let it go. And then let it be. There you have it, guys. Thanks for joining us again. We will hopefully be back really soon here with another episode. Stay safe, wash your hands, and we will see you guys soon. Take care. See ya.